We Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. Welcome back. If your school shut down on or around March 13th, this is about the sixth week of online instruction. These weeks have been full of discovery and learning, ups and downs, sharing and gathering, and everything in between. I know I've been on a roller coaster of emotions. Our next guest shares a project that gives our students a chance to process through their emotions. In this episode, he discusses how he provides a safe place for them to express their fear in this COVID-19 world. He details a sculptural assignment and submission process, and he tells us how the students describe their sculpture and their fears. He then follows up with another project that gives the students a chance to remember, find, and foster hope. So let's jump into our interview with Emmanuel Crespo. Okay, today I am here with Emmanuel Crespo. Uh, welcome, Amon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. That's awesome. So first of all, Amon and I are friends. We've been friends for a long time. We actually taught together for 13 years, so a little bit of the backstory. Um, but Amon, will you please tell us um, kind of where you teach, what classes you teach, and the class size so we can get a picture of what your day looks like? Well, I've taught uh, high school for about 16 years. Uh, at Bishop Alamini High School in Mission Hills. Um, I teach studio art, which is a drawing and painting class, sculpture. Uh, it's sculpture class was more of like a mixed media sculpture class and then and ceramics. Great, great. And um, I know what a great teacher you are. Uh, I know that this has been really challenging to kind of slide from, you know, real, real teaching face-to-face -face teaching into our online uh, or virtual teaching. Uh, how have you been delivering your instruction to your students at your high school? Um, well, every week I've been posting kind of the, the goal for that week uh, on Canvas. We use Canvas as our online portal. Okay, so that's your, your platform is Canvas? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great, okay. Um, the weekly, uh, I'm sorry, the weekly announcements or weekly agendas posted up every Monday morning or the first school day of that week. And I'll briefly describe what the goals are, what we want to achieve by the end of the week. And I'll have video samples of the different stages I want them to reach. And some of those samples will be attached to a discussion board so I can chat with them directly if they have questions with whatever steps I'm demonstrating. Okay, so uh, do each of your students have a device? Uh, yes, yes, they all uh, uh, have their own iPad. Okay, an iPad, okay. And so, so they're able to access your instruction via Canvas and they can uh, directly communicate with you through Canvas then. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yes. Um, so uh, this whole situation has forced us to make changes to the way that we teach. So um, instead of being like a technique-based class where we're like intensively teaching, you know, um, assemblage or, or very specific drawing technique, are you continuing those kind of approaches or have you changed your approach? What, what is it that you're trying to have your students learn during this time? Uh, well, my drawing class was, it was an intro to drawing class, a studio art class was an intro to drawing. 
And initially, yeah, it was very technique based. And when we went to this new uh, model, uh, this distance learning, um, rather than taking whatever skills they have learned uh, further or taking them to the next step, um, I've kind of opened it up to their experimentation. So right now, like our drawing project, um, they're still drawing contour lines of their subject, but then they're exploring rhythm and patterns, uh, contrast and texture. So it kind of leaves it open to their own inventiveness. Interesting. So instead of trying to improve uh, specifically improve, like the goal is not specifically to improve their drawing skill, it's more for them to explore the opportunity, to, so to yeah, say. Okay. Is that accurate? Uh, yes, and I've also, I think I've kind of tried to expand the idea or redefine, you know, drawing, right, to include just mark making. And I will kind of, I'm hoping what they would realize is that just contrast and pattern and having those side by side could really make an interesting picture and not necessarily whether or not their, their shading is in the right place or the proportions are right. So uh, it's more about pure mark making. Interesting. What about in your sculpture class? What are you doing with them? Um, my sculpture class, I was actually, once I realized that we were gonna go to this distance learning, um, I was pretty excited. My, my, my degree is in, in my, bachelor's is in sculpture, but I um, explored sculpture. Um, uh, I used a lot of found objects in my earlier work as, as a sculptor myself. And so I was really excited with having my seniors explore um, the expressive qualities of, of just objects lying around and how they can use those objects to tell a story or, or, or express a feeling. Um, how the surface of an object or or juxtaposition of objects can can create meaning and so uh, Technique is there, there's no longer any instruction technique. It's just I'm kind of Trying to get them to explore the world around them That's interesting and I I think from what I because I'm in all the ceramic teacher Facebook pages I feel like that has been a natural progression for ceramics teachers since we can no longer have our students manipulate clay um, You know like our whole mission and vision has changed or adapt we're adapting I guess is maybe the best way to say it and I've seen a lot of teachers do found object projects. So I've seen the found object color wheel and value scales, which have been really cool. Um, last week we talked, or a couple of weeks ago, I talked with uh, Gina Brownstein about doing um, a, a study of balance, which would be like a, a sculpture that would be as tall as the student and you're working on balance through that. So it seems like this is a natural progression for we ceramics teachers to, to go to these found objects. And it's, it's like a, a natural progression based on our situation. There are so many students that don't have art supplies. They don't have scissors or tape. Yeah. Or, and so we've had to adapt to how do we get them to look at the world around them and see beauty or see, see it in a different way, in an art artistic way. Yeah. There's one thing that um, 
you've been sharing with me and it was, it was a project that you did early on because I, I, I know in this situation, our students are struggling with a lot of different emotions and you did a project that was exploring fear and hope with the students. Could you tell us a little bit about that project? Um, I started off, uh, well, the week prior to the, the fear project, um, we explored kind of the expressive qualities of objects with a self-portrait stack. And so that project started with a poem where they described who they were, their interests, like an I am poem. Okay. And they create a stack of, of their objects that correlated with their poem that spoke about who they were. So that week prior to the fear project, we, I just kind of wanted them to explore how the objects around them can tell a story. And so then the following week when I um, started the fear project, I was thinking that it would be a great chance, well, not a great chance, but it would, it would be a, a chance for the kids to kind of tap into what they're feeling right now. Because I've gotten emails and um, uh, on the discussion boards and that first Zoom meeting I had the first week with the kids and they were just so happy to see each other and right. to see me. Right. Um, and I, you know, a little part of me in the back of my head is freaking out also. Like what is going to be the new normal? Right? 100%. Absolutely. And, and I could only imagine what they're feeling. And so I thought this was a good chance for them to, to really tap into that. And how I'm so thankful. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm so yeah. thankful that you said that because I think one thing that we all need to remember is that like we are entitled to the emotions that we're feeling through this. And although we're the teacher, we're the guide, we're, we're the one that is, you know, holding the hand out to help all of our students through this, that we're also feeling those emotions of fear and apprehension and anxiety. And, and so, you know, through, through our honesty, it allows our students to tap in and to discover those feelings in themselves as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's where that project came from. Yeah. That, that space for me is um, of just the fear of, of what is to come. What's, what is this place going to look like two, three months from now? Right. You know, um, and so I was thinking about the kids and, and it's very easy for them. Or, or I think reactions to those types of emotions um, are easier for the kids to kind of like really tap in, or more beneficial for them to really tap into and work from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now tell me a little bit about how you delivered the project. What did the project look like and how did you explain it to the students and what did you have them do to, to explore fear? Well, I, um, I presented the word fear as a prompt uh, and then the, the description of the project, I told them, um, well, first off, I made my own sculpture, right? I found some materials lying around my house. I um, distressed some surface, like I cut through and tore up some surfaces. I found materials with specific textures and, and qualities um, uh, that weren't too inviting to, to pick up and hold, you know, like an old rusty wire and, and corrugated cardboard is a great dramatic element. In terms oh, yeah. Of um, and I demonstrated some processes and how I manipulated the texture. Um, uh, and the video also included how I bounded objects together. Um, and they, but 
I wanted them to understand that they weren't limited to those methods that I was using. Mm -hmm. Um, the whole time, uh, I was simply just telling them, this is my interpretation of how to express that fear, right? And, and when I described the project to them, I, I, I just pretty much just told them, uh, look around your environment, look around uh, your home, and what surfaces, what materials, what objects do you think could express that? And it's completely open to, to, your, to their interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, there was... Uh, they then had to submit a two minute video of their sculpture. And then they, they explained um, their choices. And that I think is the, uh, the great part about that, that project is they got a chance to reflect. Like oh, really yeah. kind of, you know, I chose this because this really reminds me of, of this and this, this feeling, I don't want to touch it or pick it up. And so that, that two minute, explanation gave them a chance to reflect on the choices wow and and as the teacher grading this work you were listening to their um, justifications their explanation their reasons in their own voice that had to have been really neat to hear oh yeah and it was great to hear them say in their own words how they express what they feel. Yeah, I think sometimes they get so caught up when we ask them to write, you know, some students are like, oh, I'm not good at writing. And, and I'm sure there were some students that were nervous about talking, you know, um, but it, it is interesting that that, that might've tapped into a, a different modality for some of these students uh, to, to actually speak about it and to justify, justify it in real time for them as their video uh, recording themselves. Yeah. So when you went through uh, the projects and you were grading, what were some examples of student projects that were standouts to you? What really showed the emotion fear in their found object sculpture? Um, a running theme through almost all the sculptures um, really express a sense of, of just being trapped and stuck and kind of um, there is an unknown outside. Like physically, I don't know what's outside my complex. They don't know what's outside their driveway and or, or you know, but also unknown in terms of what's outside of a, a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Right. So there was a lot of expression of, of just being trapped inside and not knowing what's out there waiting for them. Oh, I just got chills yeah. because when, when you say the fear of outside is one thing, but when you say the word trapped, that is different. And mm -hmm. here, you know, teenagers that this is the, their expression of fear is trapped. The, that's yeah. Um, yeah, their, their world has changed drastically in the, the past three, four weeks. And, and a lot of that was coming out. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of binding with, with wire, uh, uh, laces, um, things that they could find to wrap around kind of the, the overall form. Um, there was some manipulation to, to, to surface with uh, some burning and tearing and uh, mm -hmm. to cause that distress. Interesting. 
That's really interesting. I think that this, uh, you know, safer at home mandate is the hardest on teenagers because those are the ages that you want to be out of the home. That's when you want to be with your friends more than your family and, and they're stuck. So I can see that manifesting in this, this fear. So I, I'm sure that the, the, that part of the project was, you know, eye-opening. Uh, but I, I'm sure that you, I, I know that you paired this project with the emotion of hope. Mm -hmm. So can you also now take us through the hope part of the project? What did you do next and how did you bookend this in a way that allowed the students to process through both of these emotions? Um, I think when we did, when I presented the, the, the fear project, um, I was worried uh, of of it seeming maybe a bit grim or insensitive. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 so when I presented the fear project to them, um, I mentioned that next week or the following week we will explore hope. So it kind of gives the, it, you know, uh, it gives them or maybe if their parents are observing them on canvas right. an idea that you know I'm not. I don't want to dwell on, on the negativity, negativity of the situation. I just want to kind of look at this scary situation so we can contrast it to the positive or, or just to that idea of hope. Right. Oh, sorry. Well, that's what art is. Art is an exploration of emotion. And so, you know, the, the opportunity for our students to use art to express that emotion um, they might be bottling that up and not express it at all. So yeah. this is an opportunity. But I think that you are wise um, for as a teacher, as a parent, and for the students to just allow them to see the timeline so that they can see the safety net or they can see where they're going so that if they maybe go a little too far in the fear, they know that they're gonna swoop in and find, or at least explore that word hope at the end of it. So was it the same style of project or did you adapt it in a different way? It was the same style, um, um, found objects. Um, uh, and now with the hope project, um, I found it a bit more difficult, a number of students did as well, uh, because um, the application of surfaces was was very different. Absolutely, you know, kind of that that uh, that dramatic effect of ripping or tearing or breaking apart. But at the same time, there was a so it was more minimal in terms of the processes they could apply to the objects they chose. Um, but it was it was at the same time it was very nice in terms of how simple it was that. Um, a pair of soccer shoes, you know, right. sitting up, you know, next to a gym bag on the floor can be sculpture. And for them, it expresses hope because they're going to be playing soccer in college or they're going to, they can't wait to play soccer this summer or, or, or whatever. Right. So, um, that was a, the cool thing about the hope project is that they were very minimal. Um, but the objects they chose were very powerful extremely meaningful to them probably yeah. heartfelt yeah. yeah um did you have the students do the two minute video reflection with mm -hmm. the hope site as well mm -hmm. and and yeah they had a two minute video their sculptures all their sculptures have to be 
um, sculptures in the round. So as they do their two minute video, they, they walk around the object um, and explain their choices. And it was um, pretty much them expressing their plans for the future, what they're still looking forward to, you know, uh, college or um, vacation with a family or, or going out to a restaurant with friends. But um, it was really them reminding themselves that there is going to be a time when all this will pass and, and they'll be back to their lives with each other, with their friends and families. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, it, it seems so, I can imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I bet a lot of that, maybe the sculpture was the soccer shoes, but led into a conversation with themselves about all of the other things they're hopeful for. So that vacation might not have been reflected in the sculpture, but yet you can see how that imagery, that object that value or that love or passion can then snowball into more hope and can continue to foster hope in, you know, our students and in us as we begin our thoughts moving in that direction. I find when I think more hopeful, I am more hopeful. When I think more positive, it like snowballs in that direction. When I think more fearful and when I'm anxious or nervous, I spiral into anxiety and nervousness. So um, I like that their verbal response, their two minute response was snowballing into more hope. And that that's really special. Yeah. Did you um, logistically, um, did you have the students does, does, did you upload the picture or the video into canvas? Does it allow you to do that? Or did they do that on YouTube? Um, my demonstrations I uploaded onto YouTube and I okay. just posted links to Canvas because uh, it does have a limited memory. Right. Um, the students, I had them submit a two-minute video on Canvas. Great. So they were able to do that. I'm just thinking logistically, you know, for, for people that have the technology access, um, if they want to do this project, what are the options? So, um, like if I would have my students, they could record this on their phone or on their Chromebook and then, uh, the Google platform, they could just slide that video right into their Google drive and then they share a link on Google classroom. So, um, as we're all getting better with technology, uh, I, I like to share those, those tech side things. Cause I know we're not all tech savvy. Um, I have learned so much in these last months of things that work well, things that don't work well. But that's one thing that I noticed is you can put a a video file in a Google Drive and then you can just share that link with a teacher and it's a really easy way to view uh, their videos. Yeah. Okay, so that was not, I mean, you did that recently, but not last week. So what have you been doing since the Hope and Fear Project? Um, since the, the project we did after the, the hope project, um, I had them explore the idea of, of rhythm and repetition in art. And so they had to find, uh, and I, and I got this idea from one of your shows. <laughs> I have to, I have to confess. Um, but it was a great idea. Um, uh, they had to find, uh, something that they have a lot of. And for me, I have accumulated a ridiculous amount of books. And so I, I created three different arrangements and um, that was their goal last week because last week uh, we only had three days going into spring break. So I uploaded the weekly agenda, three sculptures in three days. 
um, find something you have a lot of and create three interesting forms out of those same objects. And they could stack them, they can um, wind them up or fold them or, or, or however they want to assemble them. That's amazing. Um, do you, what are your turn-in rates? Do you find that you have a, most students are accomplishing these projects? Um, there has been a, a handful of students that have been shoddy in their engagement with with the distance learning since since yeah. we've gone onto this model, and I, I've been reaching out to them, um, and it, it's just I don't know what's going on. Right. right? So I, I I'm uh, I I reach out to them and and they do they turn it in and it is what it is as long as they get the work in I, I give them credit for it. Yeah, I hope I hope that most people are doing that at, at this point in in our distance learning. I, I have told all my students, you know, if you miss an assignment, if you if something comes up, you just turn it in when you can. I'll give you full credit. Everything can be turned in at any time. Um, you know, of course, it it makes it so much easier if they don't get behind. Uh, but I had a student last night email me at three thirty four in the morning. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I I was sound asleep, but she had just finished twelve assignments. That it was basically from day one of distance learning, March what sixteenth, yeah. <laughs> until now, and basically had said, you know, they were having family problems. They had, you know, all kinds of things that were going wrong. And then her um, her Wi-Fi router broke, and I mean this laundry list of stuff. And then she said, "But you know, hallelujah, my dad got the router fixed, and I did all the work." So I think we need to remember that, uh, you know, and and hope for the goodness in our students that, you know, there are some that are are not going to do it, and that's real life that happens every day in our normal lives. But there are students that are struggling and, and we all we need to give them a chance and, and encouragement. I like what you said, you know, a couple of students I emailed and then they turned in the work because I think there's a whole nother class of kids that need to be invited. Yeah. You know, you can you can teach them demo. You can make it so easy, spell everything out. But until you say, hey, I uh, haven't seen you check in. Are you going to do the work? Will they actually do the work? I have found. Um with my sculpture students, this type of working with, with objects, they kind of found it very liberating. From the, the comments and emails and the reflections I've gotten, they kind of, they're like, wow, I didn't know this could be art, right? So it's kind of, it's kind of nice to, to see that, to hear that. I agree. I, I think they're surprised that it can be art, but I also think that this, as it is in real life, in normal school, this is their outlet. And I have a lot of students saying, you know, I check my assignments for the week and I do my ceramics work first because it brings me the most joy. And so, you know, they're still coming to us for these same things that they do for the school year. So um, that's why that's what gives me the fuel every, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday when I'm I'm designing my curriculum for the next week. That's what keeps me going to make sure that I'm putting everything that I can it, with reasonable expectations for the next week. So not that we have tons of time because we don't have tons of time. I feel like I'm grading all the time and I feel like I'm teaching my kids and, and like multitasking has taken on a whole new life. Uh, work, work life balance is gone. There is no like I'm working now and it's my life now. 
Um, but I know that you are innately creative. And when you don't create, I can see it in your face that you are not, things are not right in your world. Yeah. So what have you been doing for this last month to fill that creativity part of you and to have some fun through this? What have you been doing? Uh, well, I've been spending some time in the studio. I've been painting. Uh, I just made a giant paper mache dinosaur for my daughter because she's in she's into dinosaurs. I love that. I'll that later. Yeah, I've actually uh, seen it. How did tell? Can you tell us like just quickly the the steps that you did? It, it, I want to say it's probably like the size of like a, a nice fifty pound dog. I mean, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's bigger than my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than. <laughs> I love it. Tell me, um, tell me the steps really quickly, how you made the form and then the paper shape. Uh, we had some old Amazon boxes laying around. And so I cut up the uh, one side of the box to create kind of the central silhouette for this brontosaurus, right? Head, neck, tail, and torso. And then uh, I created cardboard planes uh, for the legs to intersect. And that became the kind of the armature. Mm -hmm. and, and um, the volume I created with uh, newspapers, plastic bags, trash bags, and then I foiled over that and we paper mache uh, Shirley, myself, and Malia, the three of us paper mache in the kitchen. So it was pretty fun. Now, does she carry this around? Um, yes. She's <laughs> named it Dexter the Dinosaur. Um, uh, she talks to it and play. It's kind of become her, her teddy bear. It, that's awesome. Well, you've always given Malia alternative toys to to play with, so I would not be surprised that Dexter is, is a part of your her uh, her team now. Um, I think I sent you Brett Kern is the the ceramic artist that does the uh, balloon dinosaurs. Were you able to check him out? Yeah, I love them. They're awesome. Is that not amazing? He does slip casts, and uh, there's actually a, a YouTube. Uh, Q&A that I found somebody uh, linked to on the ceramic page, uh -huh. the ceramic teacher pages. Uh, that, would, that was really awesome too. It just kind of popped into my head, but Brett Kern is awesome and he does some great ceramic work with dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I know you're a painter. You, you paint all the time. So when you tell me you're not mm -hmm. painting, and I know. So um, you've been painting. I want to give you a chance to um, tell us where we can find you because uh, after listening to you and these ideas, I know people are going to want to go and see what your art style is. So can you give us your Instagram or your website? However we can find you, let us know. Well, my website is emmanuelcrespoartworks.com. And you can find a body of my work there and examples of student projects as well. And my Instagram is, is the same handle, Emmanuel Crespo Artworks. Emmanuel Crespo, C-R-E-S-P-O, Artworks. Okay, very good. Well, I appreciate your time. It was great to catch up. You always remind me of the art behind these projects. You, your education background, your passion for art, it always just comes through in what you teach. So I appreciate your time so much. Thank you, thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me. Selfishly, it was really fun for me to catch up with Iman. I used to see him every day, but now I cherish any time that I can connect with him. When we taught together, we did a lot of collaboration. He was that teacher I would go to for advice, inspiration, support. 
Uh, we would wander into each other's classroom and borrow supplies or literally just to stop and catch a breath. Even though we didn't always teach the same subject, we found this commonality in art. I really appreciate that passion that you can hear in his voice when he talks about art, either his students' art or his own artwork, even if it's a paper mache dinosaur that he makes with his daughter and his wife. So with that, I bid you farewell. Stay healthy, friends, and keep connecting. Mm-hmm.